Grace Bible Church, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. It's a joy to be here with you. Thank you for tuning in and taking part in this with us. Um, we have a little bit of a different episode today with uh, some of our pastoral staff. And so to my left is John Hayes, and then across from me, Bobby Austin, and to my right, as usual, maybe you're to my left sometimes, I don't know, is Brent Bullard. So thanks last, for being here, guys. Last week we were across from each other, so yeah. I was to your left and right. Yes. It's a circle. And a line. Whatever. Anyway, we're, back to the being on task. With these, <laughs> with these observations, these groundbreaking tendencies, I don't know why anybody wouldn't listen to this <laughs> in the midweek time. <laughs> one of the things that we want to do today, and we'll be hearing also in a, in a couple of weeks from several of our other pastoral staff and also our uh, preschool ministry team, but what we want to do is give a larger perspective into all of our ministry areas. Uh, more giving, not just what's taking place, more than you can see in a week-to-week where you see a, a picture that is helpful, and, and more than you can see in the bulletin that gives this is the what's going on. We want to give a more full philosophy of ministry that makes up our kids' ministry and our student ministry, our refuge ministry. So now uh, we'll begin by focusing, and we talk a little bit about, you know, as we equip and we aim, as we run in these areas, the goal that each of you have in your ministries, uh, John and Bobby, to... Uh, equip students, to equip the leaders, and then also to equip and pursue parents. So what would you tell us about the actual focus and pursuit that you take of children in your ministry areas? So what do you aim to accomplish, John, with uh, the children entrusted to you while you have them on Sundays and on Wednesdays? Yeah. Well, in family ministry, we kind of have a stair-step model of we cover the same material, um, but when they're in preschool, we do it at a very basic level, and then we take the next step in elementary, and then when they go to refuge, they begin to, to consider, what does this mean for me? And so at the elementary level, we're really just trying to get repetitions of, this is who Jesus is, this is what the Bible says about Jesus, and then this is how to study your Bible. Uh, and so every Sunday, we'll be talking, and midweek programming, we'll be talking about some story from the Bible. So we go chronologically, Old Testament, New Testament, so that they know what's in the book of Amos. So they know this is how the Old Testament prophets were prophesying that the Messiah would come to bring the blessing to the nations that was promised to Abraham. Uh, and so we hope that this foundation of truth is something that um, these kids can keep with them, that then when they begin to question, what do I believe? Why do I believe? They have this understanding of, well, this is what scripture says, and I trust that God is faithful. Um, and so we do that week in and week out because we know that is the best thing we can give these kids is an understanding of who God is and what the Bible says. What would you say about that, Bobby, and how that, so a lot of that material you said is similar, but what does that look like for you as you minister to sixth grade students all the way through 12th grade students? That's quite a range. Yeah, uh, it is a, a big gap when you, when you consider the sixth grade students coming in and then as we have seniors kind of ready to make their way towards uh, whatever postgraduate plans there are. But <clears throat> really, uh, kind of the idea of what John was saying with the stair step, it, it all starts with a, just a really good foundation. Uh, and we want to make sure that that foundation is founded in biblical truth. Um, and then from there, you can start to uh, add other things onto that. Um, just things like what we believe as, as a church and really getting to kind of unpack that uh, on the Sunday morning uh, church history seminar that Jerry Baker's teaching that Refuge has kind of done. This is something new that we've been doing, but it just 
it's a neat way for them to see that church has existed before Grace Bible Church started. Um, and just to connect the when Grace Bible Church started to uh, really just Pentecost uh, in the New Testament and then uh, filling in in between. But then for Wednesday nights, our hope is to uh, not just unpack Old Testament, New Testament story of the Bible, but to really get into specific books of the Bible and really for the first time uh, look at, okay, well, now what? What do I do with this? Uh, who was this written to? What did it mean for them? Okay, now what are the truths that I can take away from this that are going to change practically how I interact with my family, how I interact differently at school? Uh, and so for them to start to see Scripture in that way, that it does apply to them even though it was written over 2,000 years ago. When we think through kids' ministry, we also think through and student ministry, we think through the reality that you all can't do this on your own. Uh, I think a lot of times when we're younger, we think we can, I can do it, I can lift a little bit more, and we work a lot harder rather than smarter, right? We want to work smart, and that entails empowering people. We talk about it, service, vision, credibility, empowerment. And so share with us a little bit about the leaders that you have in your ministry, uh, how you try to equip them, and the roles that they play in the lives of the students, and how that shifts Rather than everybody knowing you, your ability to equip leaders that have time and, and capacity and care uh, to be able to pour into those students' lives. And we'll start back around with you, John. Yeah. Well, we have a fantastic volunteer base. And I mean, it takes a lot of people to make uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights run. Um, and so this is really an opportunity for parents college students, adults in the church, to step in to begin to serve our body and also pour into the next generation. Um, And so we ask our people to study beforehand. Um, It's amazing the things that I've learned through walking with the students through um, the Bible, but also to hear what our leaders are learning and how they're growing through studying to be able to teach. Um, And so it's really this, you serve, but you get so much out of it. Um, And so our, our goal is really this would be a healthy function of service for the church that we could begin to train up our kids in the way of righteousness, but also um, to be able to give our people an opportunity to have ownership in their church body. Um, and it is fantastic to see our college students step up into that and to watch them over four years grow and develop and um, understand how to lead their um, these kids, but also then their peers. And um, it's just a really cool thing to get to witness. It's like when you take ownership of one area of your life, of being forced to oversee. You're overseeing kids, you're overseeing somebody else, you're having to take responsibility. It's funny how many leaders will speak about whether it's serving in any ministry, but it kind of shifts their perspective of ownership of they're forced to be in the Word, uh, forced in a good way. They're held accountable to be in the Word, but it also makes them look around more. It kind of changes the way that uh, that, that uh we view others. It kind of makes us rather than look, oh, you're, you're another, you're, you're somebody for me to pursue. You're somebody for me to look at. You see things you don't see when you begin serving, and kids ministry is, is a great place to do that. Uh, what would you say about, tell us about kind of the breakdowns of, not, I won't so much ask how many leaders you have serving, because uh, the answer is always not enough. Correct. <laughs> yeah. But you have college college students serving, but you also have uh, Jerry and Jan Alexander have a serve in a, a class. So you have all the different ages, and they're in their late thirties, and so you've got all uh, you got all the ages covered here. 
what would you what would you kind of say to that to somebody maybe that's on the fence of maybe they've been thinking about it or they feel inadequate perhaps one of those members that might be in that that kind of area yeah what's funny when you serve alongside people you begin to find that you're finding community with the people that you're serving with and so on a given sunday we'll have people who are 18 and people who are 70 rubbing shoulders with each other that their spheres may not mix in a lot of other areas because they're getting to step in and serve um they're getting to interact with people they may not get to interact with and then interact with parents that they may never interact with either. Um, and so that's a, a really big gift. Also, it just kind of teaches and shows that God will use anybody, right? God can use us no matter our inadequacies. Um, he will qualify us, right? When we step out to say, okay, I'm going to take a take a step to, to serve in this way. Um, and so it's just cool to see God move through growing people in their knowledge and understanding of his word, but also a love for uh, his church through serving the least of these in our church. How does that shift when the students then come into middle school? Middle school and high school place a lot of temptations. And a lot of you share with me that we've got children, actually. We have students at every about every local school mm-hmm. and homeschool, all the different areas that we have, co-ops, everything else. We've got students all, all in those areas. So how does that impact you and how you look for leaders to be able to serve in your ministry with Refuge? Well, you kind of touched on it. We have students that really almost every local school. Uh, And with that comes even more diversity that we have kids that are in band and drama, athletes, uh, intellectuals, um, just in any in between. And what's neat is that as we have the same kind of thing that John referenced, we've seen college students come into the fold, um, those who have just graduated uh, from SFA that have hung around, and then young families, older families, uh, those with empty nest. It's our leaders kind of represent that same diversity that our students do, and it's neat to see how, uh, as we have students from all over uh, with different interests and different uh, giftings, that our leaders reflect that as well. And I think as we've spread the net really wide for those volunteers. Uh, it really lets those students that come in feel a connection because there are leaders that they can identify with. And there are uh, leaders that are saying, oh, I have an interest in this. And you're going to find students that have that same interest and they're going to connect because really a bulk of what we're pushing on Wednesday night is just the relational aspect because um, it's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, 6th through 12th graders right now, no matter where you're at, Uh, it just feels like that's where the battle is spiritually uh, because it's when a lot of those key decisions are being made as far as what their lives are going to look like, what they're going to believe. And so to have somebody that they've connected with, uh, whether it is uh, a 23-year-old senior in college or uh, a 50-year-old businessman, somebody that they feel close to, when inevitably things get hard, they feel like they can reach out to this person. uh, And then that leader feels the burden of that relationship to say, I need to be there consistently uh, because who knows what's going on with these kids and I want to be available. And then you see that flourish, uh, especially at times like camp uh, retreats. Um, But that's what's neat about our leaders is that there's an investment so much further than just Wednesday nights that it really is just more of a life on life uh, discipleship, really. One of the, a study not too long ago, came out and said something like 78% or nearly 8 out of 10 
people will come to Christ by the time they graduate college. If they're going to convert to Christianity, it's going to happen before basically they enter into the workforce, the majority. Uh, that, that should be, I think, uh, not discouraging. I think that should be an exciting fact to, to realize we want to be able to pursue and bless uh, young adults, uh, children, and with the gospel message, the teenagers that are right there on the, the front lines, we shouldn't cower, we should unashamedly help to equip them and what they believe what, and, uh, and the good news of Christ. And I think the greatest way that we bless students is by trying to reach their parent with the gospel. And so when you men think about what it is to encourage these children through the life uh, of reaching out to their parents, what does that look like for you two guys on a, on a regular basis? So when you think about trying to pursue parents, what's that look like for you all and equip them and encourage them? Well, I think uh, one of the, the key moments that we can come alongside parents is in those transitions. When a child enters kindergarten or when a child goes then to middle school or high school, um, because we all have memories of that as a kid, right? Like it's intimidating to change schools, to change friends. Uh, and then you feel that burden for your own kids, right? You're nervous for them. You want them to, to find those relationships and to find the right friends. Um, and so we can come alongside in that way to just encourage parents that, man, push those kids to the truths of scripture that you know that they know, to push them back to our identity is found in Christ. Our hope is found in Christ. Um, because we can partner alongside our kids in that. Um, you know, another huge factor is um, for healthy parents and healthy homes um, being like the greatest gift we can give these kids. Uh, and so our hope is that with midweek programming, that would afford uh, parents an opportunity to go and be a part of a small group, to go and, and to lay down their burdens with other parents and uh, people in their small group so that they can um, be vulnerable and be encouraged. And that that in turn is a benefit to those kids because as their parents are, are uh, learning and growing, and uh, then they can be also leading their kids uh, in what it is to, to follow after the Lord. And so that's uh, one of our big hopes, specifically with midweek programming, is that that would afford you parents an opportunity to go and be involved in community when it can be hard sometimes. One of the great myths is the myth of the professional. We're, we're an era of specialization these last several decades. And many parents can fall into the trap of thinking, well, I brought my child to youth group, and therefore they should get it. And not realizing that most sociological data uh, it has shown us that it's relationships with and seeing their faith modeled in their home is, is, and with other adults, but predominantly in the home, is the most important factor that shapes a child that graduates on from high school. Did they see their parents own their faith? Did they see their parents share their faith? Did they see their parents, did they see the, 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 the rule of Jesus actually impact the larger components of their life? So what you're saying is, is exactly accurate. Now, when we come into middle school and high school, the conversations become PG-13, right? They become a lot more serious and, and are and a lot of things covering where, hey, there's a, you know, it's easy to quickly feel out of our depth knowing that social media and all these other components that, and pressures that, that students have. So Bobby, how does this impact you and how you try to equip parents and your prayer for parents in an age of everything from sexuality uh, transgenderism, I mean, all different components that are constantly pushing against a biblical worldview. Yeah, I mean, it feels like 
just as referenced earlier, that's where the battle is. And so of the biggest things we try to do is connect with parents to really establish uh, almost that teammate mindset to say, hey, we have a common goal, uh, a common calling of these students. And um, it can be hard, you know, even just as parents reaching out to them to say like, hey, let's sit and talk. Inevitably, there's going to be the thought of, oh, my kid's done something wrong. But really the hope being is to sit down and say, hey, this is what we're seeing in youth group with your kid. This has been awesome. Uh, and then for a parent to get to say, hey, this is the stuff they've kind of conveyed at home. And you kind of develop a team to say, OK, what are we able to do in the time that we have? Because, you know, in 168 hours in a week, there's two of those really that represent Wednesday night refuge and then maybe another hour and a half if you get it on a Sunday morning. So parents represent the bulk of the time in that discipleship relationship. But, you know, that's not always the time when students are saying like, hey, here are my parents. I want to tell them everything. But maybe they have that relationship with their leader. Uh, and in the same way, parents are going to be aware of things that are going on in a student's life that it would be so helpful for that leader to know and just to be aware of, to be sensitive or just to really kind of push on some of those areas. And so of the biggest things that we're trying to do is just create, hey, we're all on the same team uh, and we all want the same things. And you're really getting it from every angle uh, so that that student doesn't feel uh, lost at church or uh, not understood at home. Um, and then to just really equip the student to be like, hey, now you're going to uh, <laughs> the dark places of wherever you're going to school or whatever that might look like. But you've been equipped, hopefully, by home, by church for those kind of missional opportunities, for that battle that you're going to be engaging in. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest things that we're looking to do with parents is that they would feel equipped, like John was talking about with small groups, uh, that they would be aware of the stuff that we're kind of unpacking and that we would sit down and say, okay, what are you seeing? Here's what we're seeing. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. So Brandon, a little bit ago, you mentioned um, <clears throat> kind of the, the professionalism idea, right? You know, you come and and you go to the expert and you receive from them and, and take, you know, take what you came to get from the professional. And, you know, we've kind of seen that even in, in corporate worship as well, as we kind of translate that to, to what to what we do. Um, you know, th there has been kind of a, a trend in church culture where you come and you consume uh, from from uh, from corporate worship and. Uh, you go and you and you consume what the, the the worship band has to offer, or you go and you take uh, and and you know you, you even mentioned about uh, you know being a a critic of the of the sermon um, and kind of evaluating it and and realizing that that is the the or no was that Roman that was Roman that actually mentioned that uh, a couple of weeks ago where he, he talked about being a, a a critic of the sermon and evaluating that and so. You know, as we're getting ready for this Sunday to come up, and and we're getting ready to gather uh, to worship together, how can we come as a church to not just come and consume, but but come and be active participants? Um, everything from the, the the singing in the service to hearing the scripture read to praying together to sitting under the sermon together. How do we as a church come and be active participants and not just recipients from the professionals? That's a good, great summary. 
I think we have to come with a reminder of who is receiving my worship today. And when we do that, we're reminded then when we come in, it's not, hey, here's Pastor Stephen on the stage and, and like this past Sunday, here's the choir and they're here to echo my desires. Of course, every church is gonna have its own flavor, but they're gonna help lead me to give a corporate gift of worship as a congregation. We're going to give the Lord our affections today. We're gonna to give the Lord a time of confession today. Uh, we're gonna give the Lord our, our lives and, our, and remind ourselves that we confess our sin to the Lord that he is the one that washes us clean and has washed us clean. We're reminded, so we're ministered to as we worship the Lord. So we give the Lord worship as a congregation. As we come in that day, regardless of what the week has had, we're reminded that he is the recipient of our worship. As we hear from his word, it's not, uh, we do, I do the best I can uh, to make sure this isn't Brent's words. I, I want to best honor the text. That's what makes it a, a faithful, good sermon is did we honor the text? Is there appeal? Is there a, a what's next, a, a clear next steps, a response? Are we being obedient to the Spirit and how he's convicting us or comforting us or ministering to us that day? Do we go home uh, with a little bit more peace and clarity uh, and, uh, and abide in him that week? Well, that's all worship, right? Uh, the way we live our lives is worship. And so there's individual components of worship that we give our lives as living offerings, but then there's the corporate gathering together as we do this together. As a, as a people that have that have uh, lived lives in allegiance now to Jesus, so that, I think that's the key answer of how we we don't think we're, we're we're consumers, but rather we're giving a gift to the Lord of worship that He's somehow incredibly pleased in, mm. which is itself amazing, mm -hmm. because we're not that great, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and yet He's He's pleased, and uh, we're ever reminded of. We think, how could He be pleased in this? Well, well, He is pleased in this, and I think that helps us get beyond ourselves. And, uh, you know, Bud Wright shared many times of how, you know, key attributes of what should, what should grace always look for. He prays grace always look for in elders. And he said three qualifications I want to make sure that are clear in addition to what we see in the scripture uh, or complementary to it. And that's three qualities, humility, humility, and humility. Mm -hmm. And I think that that impacts us when we come to worship mm -hmm. with a humble heart. Uh, humility by default, humility and appreciation and gratitude, those three kind of woven together it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter the baggage that you brought there that morning. You got humility. You got uh, appreciation. You got gratitude. It's going to be a sweet gift that we get to be able to give to the Lord with our song and, and our preparation and our study and our response as we go home that, that day. Now, this Sunday specifically, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 8, 16 through 32. And we see in this text, the magicians are just absolutely dumbfounded by what they see. And they tell Pharaoh that this is the finger of God. The plagues continue to escalate. Uh, the seriousness and the humility that it ought to bring. And it's almost like Pharaoh begins to go through stages of grief. He works now to the bargaining stage. So he went from the original plague, and I'm not doing anything. Uh, then we have the frogs. Okay, now will you please do something? And now he gets to the point of, okay, I'll let them go for this amount. Or I'll let uh, these people go, but not these other people. He's at the bargaining stage of the hardening of his heart. The humiliation is setting in to such a way that it's threatening his ego that at least he's now coming to the bargaining table. But as we're reminded, we can't really come to the bargaining table with God. It doesn't work that way, does it? And so that's one of the components of application I think all of us can pull away this week, myself in particular, 
to realize I'm not, prayer is not bargaining with God. Uh, it is a, a beautiful gift to be able to come to God and bring requests. And it's a beautiful gift to know that he cares for us and loves us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his, what he wants for us is better even than the things that our hearts want to grasp onto with a, with a vice grip uh, to get it to work out the way we want to. Uh, so this week, this is the finger of God. Well, church, we are looking forward to be able to gather again this Sunday uh, to sit under the word, to sing together, uh, to come and, and like, like, like you said, Brent, to come and offer something to him, to, to pour out our praise, to submit to his word uh, joyfully, uh, and somehow that pleases him um, by his grace. Our worship pleases him. Um, John and Bobby, thanks for being here and uh, for serving families and serving kids and, um, and, and being a part of what uh, our, our church as we, as we seek to, to, to make disciples. You know, we're seeing that happen in many different avenues. We're, we're seeing disciples being made as we worship together and we, we are, are taught and instructed and, and learn from the people next to us. But we're also seeing discipleship happen within families. And um, it's, uh, it's a joy to be able to serve together, guys. So, yeah. um, Church, we love you. We'll see you this Sunday and looking forward to it.